You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. I'm your host, Chris. And I'm Stephanie. And if you are new to the show, we discuss characters, storylines, and the themes of Orphan Black. And this is not a spoiler-free podcast. We are discussing the series in its entirety, which as of this recording is the first season. So if you have not seen the first season, beware that there are spoilers ahead. And in this episode, we're talking about The Monitors, Donnie, Paul, and Delphine. It's kind of interesting, the the Monitors, they're all sort of romantically involved with their clones. And, uh, you know, that could get awkward. I don't know how to to respond to that. (laughs) (laughs) So something I find kind of interesting about the Monitors is that they're all essentially sort of matched to their clone, in in the sense that Paul is, you know, a, a... former military guy, and he was assigned to Beth, who was a cop. And here Delphine's a scientist and gets assigned to Cosima, the scientist. And Donnie's a stranger when you and I had this discussion before, and you kind of gave me a look when I was talking about Donnie. But but I still think that the point that I'm trying to make here is that Allison's thing is sort of being like the suburban mom. And Donnie's kind of your stereotypical suburban dad, it seems like. Well, definitely in the case of Donnie and Allison... They seem to have known each other for a very long time. You know, Allison says that she's known Donnie since high school. And so I think that in Donnie's case, it seems like he might have known Allison before Leaky's organization approached him as being a monitor. We really don't know how how Donnie became a monitor at all. We have a better sense of Paul and Delphine. But as far as how Donnie was recruited, it's less clear. But I, I do think it's unlikely they would just have some you know, 14-year-old kid be a monitor. I think it's more likely that perhaps he knew Allison first and then they approached him later. Right. That would make the most sense. And it is one of those things I'm I'm curious to see if they'll ever... I'd assume they'd explore it in the future, give us more background on why Donnie is involved. Because he does make a reference in an episode where where Allison has been trying to figure out what was in the secret box. And he tells her that it's, there were letters from a woman that he had sort of an affair with while they were broken up. And so, you know, there is this suggestion that he and Allison weren't together continuously since they met each other since high school. Right. So perhaps in one of those broken up periods, Donnie did something that the organization could use as leverage to recruit him as a monitor. Because that's how they seem to have gotten Paul is, you know, they had, they basically blackmailed him into doing it. Right. And given what we know of Donnie, it seems like he wouldn't have volunteered for such a thing. But the funny thing is, Donnie is actually like the best monitor of the three. (laughs) Yeah, because that's true. He's the only one who isn't like found out, you know? Of course, he's also the only one that seems to not actually be in love with the subject that he's supposed to be monitoring. Well, I don't know. We'll see. I like Allison is a difficult person. Uh, that is true, as he says to to Leaky at the end of season one. You know, she is difficult, which she is. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe Donnie doesn't love Allison, but it could be he does. Who knows? Sometimes love looks strange to, strange to different people who are on the outside of it. I suppose. But but I mean, there's, I, I guess where I'm coming from is he doesn't seem to have the compulsion to, like, help them out of their situation. This is true. Yeah, he does. He definitely doesn't have sort of protectiveness to the point of I'm going to 
go against the organization the way that at least Paul does. I'm still not entirely convinced about Delphi, but Delphine at least seems to exhibit some protective behavior toward Kasima when she doesn't tell Leaky about Kira. Right. But we have, we have, yeah, we haven't really seen that from Donnie, but we haven't seen him interact with Leaky quite as much as we've seen Paula Delphine. Right. That's sort of the, the thing too, is that we know that Donnie's been a monitor for the longest amount of time, but we, the audience, have actually seen the least of it. You know, because we've seen a lot of Paul as monitor and Delphine as monitor, but we really, they, they kept it sort of ambiguous the whole time whether or not Donnie was or wasn't a monitor. I always thought that he was. I thought that was made very clear when they showed him burning the files or papers or whatever it was. But I, I remember seeing a lot of people who, who at the end when they showed Donnie going to talk to Leaky, a lot of people were like, he was the monitor. So it's like, I, I knew it. <laughs> Yeah, I thought they made it pretty clear with the burning scene, too. But at the same time, I second-guess myself a bit because I, Donnie I did, did too. Yeah, because yeah. Donnie did very well, you know, seeming very concerned about Allison during the whole, you know, intervention scene. scene. He did very well, I think, which actually is another reason why I'm going back to saying he was the best monitor. He really did kind of make me second-guess my assumption about him, even though they very gave us a very clear indication that hey, there's something up with this guy. Because it would have been one thing if they'd shown him burning something out in a field somewhere. Maybe they were really letters. Maybe they were, you know, dirty pictures, something. But the fact that he talked to somebody on the phone while he did it, eh, that's a bit of a red flag. Right. But it is one of those, I mean, you're right. There, There is that whole thing where, like, you know it, but at the same time, you start to wonder if that's really what is mm -hmm. happening. Because there, there's just, the the show sort of moves away from it far enough that you're like, well, I mean, I, I saw that, right? That's what happened, wasn't it? <laughs> and of course, you know, you watched it continuously, and I watched it week to week. So I think it was like a couple weeks by the point <laughs> where I, where they were really sort of making me question it. And it's like, it's like, okay, but I'm pretty sure two weeks ago, that thing happened. Like, I didn't imagine that, did I? Because <laughs> of course, I didn't have it, you know, a recording on it of it. So I had to go by memory. And I'm like, I, I'm remembering that correctly, aren't I? <laughs> right, because then you think, well, maybe he did just burn it in a field. Maybe he wasn't on the phone. But it wasn't he on the phone? Yeah. Yeah. But I think, the sh again, I think the show does a really good job at making you second guess yourself about Donnie. Much like Allison did. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so compared to Donnie, who seems kind of like this harmless, schlubby kind of, kind of guy, we have Paul, who seems the most likely to be a monitor, right? Because he's ex-military and he's trained and he has all of this stuff going for him in, in, in that regard. And I, we see him sort of in his monitor activities the most. We see him meeting with Olivier and interacting more directly with the, organi with the organization. I mean, he meets with Olivier and Linky. He, he sort of has the most contact with the, the larger organization. Right. And his storyline, I found very confusing because you know he was he was fairly convincingly boyfriendly when we first see Sarah trying to pretend to be Beth and then when he catches on to the fact that she's not Beth it's like he goes all terminator for episode 6 where you know he's tracking her with the GPS on the car and he seems ready to to dose her and and make it look like a suicide because he sets up with Olivia it's like oh she's relapsing again this is the worst i've seen her and then 
at the end of the episode, it's just sort of this when when Sarah confesses and tells tells him, "Oh, we're clones." It's just this switch, like, "Oh, okay, we're cool now," and I don't really quite buy it. Yeah, I I sort of still don't know what to make of that either. Because I mean, you're you're right. He was very terminatory, putting a nail through through Vic's hand with the nail gun. I mean, that was cringe inducing. <laughs> Yeah. And cuz yeah, I mean that whole episode you're kind of like what is he possibly going to do? Cuz he's already dosed the the alcohol by that point and you're just kind of like, "Oh no, this is not going to go well." And yeah, it just kind of didn't go anywhere. Because okay, maybe just to double check that I'm reading this correctly, cuz he grinds up pills and he puts them in a bottle one of the bottles of booze, right? Yes. And earlier in that episode we had seen him talking to Olivier saying, I think she's relapsing again. I think she's going to to, to that dark place again. So and I need seemed- to know that I'm not going to be held responsible if she does something to herself. Exactly. So it seems like he was setting up to maybe kill Sarah. Am I wrong in interpreting it that way? No, that was what was happening. Okay, that's what I thought. So he's he seems all set to kill Sarah. And then... Once he gets the information about the clones, he changes his mind. And that I'm more I'm I'm more okay with. He's like, okay, I'm getting some information on this organization that has ultimately kept me in the dark. So it wasn't so much that. I guess I should have gone further. Because then the, in the next episode, episode seven, is when he gets hauled into Olivier's office and questioned. And then he gives, you know, he, he tells Sarah, run. They know you're, you know, you're not Beth. I don't really buy that, that he goes from Terminator Paul, ready to kill Sarah, to just completely, I'm on your side, Sarah, I'm going to protect you at all costs. Or as you had called it before, Smooshy Mooshy Paul. Smooshy Mooshy Paul, because, you know, he does that strange thing when Sarah shows up at Olivier's obvious, and he, like, nuzzles his head against her. It's very bizarre. (laughs) I I admit, when he did that, I'm kind of like, really, Paul, in front of Olivier? Not only, I mean, yeah, that's just giving the guy too much ammunition. Not only are you allied with this woman, you seem to actually care for her. That is not, that's not smart, Paul. She turns you into a house cat. <laughs> <laughs> that, I don't think that's information you want your enemy to have. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so then you have, you have Terminator Paul, then we have Smooshy Mushy Paul. And Paul helps Sarah sort of set up a meeting with Leaky, and I think it becomes clear to Leaky that Paul is really allied with Sarah at that point. He's not really allied with the organization anymore, even though Paul tries to trick Leaky initially by by getting Olivier to lie for him. Would you say that's fair? That- yeah, yeah. I mean, absolutely. That's right. I feel like I'm getting Paul's storyline all jumbled. <laughs> well, his storyline is kind of jumbled, though. Yeah, yeah. Because the thing with Paul is that, as you say, he starts out very boyfriendy, and then he turns into the Terminator, and then he turns into a house cat, and then he turns into a faithful sidekick, and then he goes back to the organization and is sort of trying to sort of play both sides. It kind of seems like because he's he's in between a rock and a hard place, admittedly, but. I don't know. By the end of the season, you're still kind of not sure who he's more aligned with. Yeah, because I was and I was really surprised to see him seemingly sort of back in the organization when 
you know, Sarah shows up to the building where Rachel is at the end and Paul is there. Right. I mean, especially after essentially betraying the organization. I mean, given what we know of the Neolution people, it kind of seems like they might have done something horrible to him for it. But no, apparently they still... Well, he didn't have a tail to cut off, so... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the Prolethians are the ones with the steel cages, the human-sized cages, so I guess they couldn't do that to him. (laughs) And it's fair, the the Neolutionists did not cut off Olivia's tail, but they they did kill him, so... Harsh punishment there. Yes, they they poison after your tail has been cut off. I do like how completely uninterested Leaky is in Olivier's plight about his tail. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this thing took my tail. Shut up, Olivier. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, so yeah, Paul's storyline, very confusing to me. I have no idea where his loyalties lie at the end of the first season, and I have no idea where he's going to be in the second season. Which actually sort of brings me to a point I wanted to make about Paul also, something that had actually occurred to me just earlier today as I was thinking about recording this episode. They established that the information that they're holding over Paul, the thing that they're essentially using to blackmail him into service, is that he had been guilty of friendly fire, meaning that he had fired on his own people which is kind of what is going on now, except, of course, friendly fire is not intentional, but Paul's actions now are intentional. But anyway, I just thought that was sort of an interesting thing once it actually occurred to me that that's, it's sort of a theme with Paul, it would seem. Maybe. We don't really know. Thoughts, Stephanie? Well, actually, I was just looking something up, because the term friendly fire... I think can also mean, besides accidentally firing on your own men, I think it can also mean a malicious firing on your own men. Okay, I mean, it probably can. I just mean in the sense that I think there's more of a connotation of it being not malicious. It's true, but if it was in fact not malicious, I feel like Paul would have maybe taken his chances with disciplinary actions rather than caving to the Neolutionists' blackmail. That's a good point. Yeah, we really don't know details about what happened. That, no. that is something that's sort of also I am curious about. Because they just show that picture of him looking rather beaten up by some people. Yeah. And that that to me does not connote friendly fire. So why he had that photo, I'm not entirely convinced we know the entire story as to how they blackmailed Paul into becoming a monitor. Right. It, it is left very, again, ambiguous. <laughs> ambiguous is the word of the episode. <laughs> yes. Well, th- this does, seems to be, does seem to be the, the tact they're taking with portraying the monitors very ambiguously at this point. Which, I mean, on a show like this is exactly what you want. <laughs> trust no one. <laughs> right. Oh, because another thing about Paul that makes me not trust him. Yes. Is that we see in episode six that it appears to be a some sort of tracker on Beth's car that Sarah is using, because that's how he finds Sarah when she goes out to Scarborough to Allison's house. And we never, at least on screen, see Paul tell Sarah about that tracker. He does, in the subsequent episode, tell Sarah to take his car. And watching that is like, oh, because 
he knows they can tr- you know he knows they can track her car but i don't think he's ever actually told her that fact it seems to be something he's sort of keeping in his back pocket in case he needs it for some reason so that's another reason i don't really trust paul is that he never told sarah about that yeah and i'm not sure that the neolution people actually were the ones tracking the car it might have just been paul and i only say that because it seems like there would be a lot more that they would have on Sarah if they were actually tracking her. But then I don't know. You know what I mean? No, I agree. I think it was Paul who who installed the tracker on Beth's car that, that the Neolutionist may not know anything about it. But why would he not tell Sarah that, oh, by the way, I can track where you go? Because we don't know what Paul is up to. Exactly. Everybody has <laughs> lots and lots of secrets on this show. Exactly. So that's another reason I don't trust Paul, because he didn't tell Sarah about the tracker. <laughs> oh, and, and back to the photo that you mentioned with the the friendly fire type stuff. <laughs> Gonna bring it back to my dad, because, you know. <laughs> we should have a section that's like theories by Mike. And <laughs> <laughs> theories and misinterpretations. Because by the, Mike Juan. <laughs> the, the thing was, my dad saw that picture, and he saw... Paul with the bloody eye, because, you know, his, uh-huh. his eye was, like, black and bloody and all this sort of thing. And so my dad's like, oh, so Paul lost an eye, and so the Neolutionists grew him a new eye, and that's why he has to work for them now. <laughs> I don't think that's what they were implying, but that's an interesting theory. <laughs> and I was like, but you can see his eye right there, Dad. It's just really, like, bloody. It's like a blown people or something. I mean, I just, I I shake my head at my dad all the time. Well, again, he's not entirely out of the realm of possibility. You can lose partial or complete vision in an eye from a really bad injury to said eye. But I don't think that's what they were trying to insinuate <laughs> from that picture. <laughs> yes, that that is my point. It's like my family comes uh, up with all sorts of stuff out of... Yeah, Weird I think your scraps. your dad is 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 hearing horse beats and thinking zebras. So <laughs> that is a good way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> this is what I have to deal with, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so moving from from Mister Abs to Ms. Perfect Hair, let's talk a little bit about about Delphine, whose story arc. I feel like is I feel like we know the most about Delphine in regards to her her motivations and sort of her, her emotional state. She's less confusing to me than Paul, but I still don't entirely trust her. <laughs> right. I don't know that you're necessarily supposed to or or rather it seems like you're supposed to sort of side with Kasima in that whole wanting to trust her, but at the same time in the back of your mind you're like I don't know if I can. Is my situation anyway. <laughs> I like Delphine. I I want to trust her. Uh, But at the same time, it's like, I I know that could be a really bad idea. And it's kind of interesting because Delphine and Paul actually have like a really similar storyline. But we we do, you're right, we see a lot more of Delphine's perspective, I guess, than than we do of Paul's. And we see her storyline start out at the beginning when she actually meets Cosima and know right off the bat, too, that that she's working with Leaky. Right, because don't they show in the first episode she's in that she's aligned with Leaky? Or is I it the second it is, one? Yeah. 
Okay. It's it's either the first or second, but very very almost from the start. We we know that that Delphine is is working for Linky. And what is going on between her and Linky? Cuz there seems to be sort of a a fling going on there. But we then see Delphine fall for Cosima. Do do you want my interpretation? Sure. That's what we're here for, Chris. That is true. <laughs> well, well here's the thing and and I sort of didn't know how to feel about it the first time I saw it because the whole time I'm in the back of my mind is like oh she's going to turn out to be a monitor working for the neolutionists and of course she was and so I was just sort of in that mindset the entire first time I was watching it where I just I was like not going to trust her <laughs> because I knew that I to some extent couldn't but upon my many rewatches <laughs> you're you're kind of because of course by that point you you know how the story finishes out too so you're sort of looking at it with new eyes and so on one of my my rewatches I, I sort of started picking up on things that I hadn't necessarily really noticed before which is every time she has one of those scenes with Leaky cuz she always kind of stands there and and looks maybe a little bit uncertain and then Leaky comes up and sort of gets right in her space and she always, to me, looks really uncomfortable at that point. Just me? Or you too? No, I, th- I think she does too. I, so yeah, I'm not entirely convinced that of, of their relationship. Not that their relationship is necessarily not consensual, or it seems like maybe Delphine might have other reasons for why she might be having some sort of relationship with, with Leaky. It doesn't seem to be this you know, passionate affair where they're both really into each other. Uh, so I agree. I, th- I think Delphine does look a bit uncomfortable whenever she interacts with Leaky in that way. And there is some stuff here, too, that I think we'll talk about in a future episode, talking about the various character dynamics that are set up thematically, but which could also be part of the situation. I don't know. But how's that for vague and Probably that irritating. was very vague. Okay. <laughs> Gee, could you vague that up for me, Chris? <laughs> I probably could. <laughs> so Delphine, at the end of the season, we see her, you know, we see her, like I, like I mentioned, she, we see her be protective of Cosima. She doesn't tell Leaky about Kira. And if nothing else, I think Delphine is very convincing in her begging Cosima to forgive her for, for giving Leaky information because she was just trying to protect her. I do really believe Delphine in that in that moment, I will admit. But her showing up at, at Felix's apartment at the end of the season, I still don't quite trust her. I feel like there there are other might be other motivations for her to be there beyond just sort of wanting to help Kasima. I feel like she's still aligned with Leaky at the end of the season, personally. And that's fair. I mean, that's we don't know one way or the other. And as I've stated before, I, I want to believe it, and I don't know, but. Here, here's another thing that I came up with on, I don't know, rewatch number six or something. Actually, it was earlier than that. Doesn't matter. In episode nine, as Cosima is having her little shouting match at Delphine, as Delphine is pleading for forgiveness, she, she, Cosima, tells Delphine to get out. Delphine leaves, and Cosima, like, breaks into a sob. And the thing is, she breaks into a sob a split second before we hear the door close. And so I'm thinking, Delphine, because I was wondering that about that too. Like, why does Delphine even bother showing up, tracking Cosima down at the end? Like, after all that 
shouting, you'd think you'd stay away, but unless you had ulterior motives or whatever. But but again, upon rewatch, she does know that Kasima is genuinely upset about it rather than just mad. Because again, the, the horrible broken sob after the yelling. Well, if if the production is indeed that detailed, then yeah, that might be a reason. Well, again, because it's just the, the timing of it is very deliberate to me. Again, not something I noticed at first, but rewatching it, it's it's really noticeable because, of course, you don't see the door or anything. So they put that in specifically there. It is right after Kasima's sob. So just a possibility. Weird random things I notice. So I have a question for you. When we see Delphine get into the limo with, with Leaky and she tells him, oh, Kasima made a pass at me, she seems a little awkward and embarrassed about it. And so when I first was watching the series, I was actually really surprised when she came on to see to Kasima later and, you know, they had they had sex. So I was actually kind of surprised by that because Delphine seemed a little uncomfortable about it when she told Leaky. But do you think that was just do you think she was genuinely uncomfortable just because it was a new experience for her? Or do you think she had I don't know. Or do you think that she was genuine in her pursuit of Cosima? At that point, do you see? Do you kind of get what I'm getting at? I, I do, and I kind of don't know how to answer, quite frankly, because fair enough. Uh, as I mentioned before, the first time I was watching it, you know, the whole time I'm prepared to not trust her because I, I knew that she's working for Leaky, and like I, I'm just sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop on this whole situation. And it, it's one of the many, many things on this show that did not go the way that I thought it was going to, and. So, yeah, I think the first time I saw it, I thought that she was probably, you know, uncomfortable that Kazima had come on to her. But, you know, at this point, I'm not sure if it's that or if it's that she's uncomfortable talking about it to Leaky. Or it could be both. I don't actually know. Yeah, because, I don't know, I guess if she were attracted to Del- to Kasima if she was like intrigued by that interaction I don't really understand why she would tell Leaky about it because she doesn't really have to she could just say oh yeah getting close to Kasima is going well you know she doesn't she wouldn't necessarily have to say what had happened right so I don't know to be perfectly fair we don't really know why Delphine is a monitor either presumably mm-hmm. it's for the science but and there's no indication otherwise but things could be revealed. We don't really know. You know? I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna go with personally, I think I'm gonna go with Delphine was like intrigued and surprised when Kasima kissed her and she was needing to try to talk about it to somebody and who else was she going to tell? I think that that seems fair too, because yeah, I mean yeah. And even though, obviously, they didn't have some sort of in-depth conversation about it, again, who else was she going to tell, really? At, at least the people that we've seen on screen. Who else would she tell about it? So, I don't know. I, I, I want to give... I'm going to give Delphine the benefit of the doubt and say that she was genuine in kissing Cosima later, that she actually was attracted to her. Right. So Okay. I'm... I'm going to give Delphine the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> See, again, this is one of those things that I, I kind of went back and forth on this relationship uh, watching it because 
the the entire first time I'm watching it, I'm just kind of like prepared for this to go horribly, horribly wrong. Because of course they'd set it up that way. <laughs> but but yeah, and yes, that Delphine was going to be this traitorous person, just going to crush Casima's heart. Yes, but it actually seems to have been the other way around a little bit. So optimistically. It is. Optimistically, yeah, yes. Yeah, it still could go that way. We don't really know. But just in terms of Delphine's sincerity or, or motives, I, I guess the big thing to me, too, is, and I think you maybe mentioned this a little bit already, that um, when when she gives the information to Leaky, she, first of all, starts off that conversation with something to the effect of, you know, this is going to be, or, or promise me that because that Kasim is going to be safe, I think is what she actually says. And so it's one of those things that, again, the first time I was watching it, I'm very sort of skeptical of all of this, but the whole time I'm I'm not sure because she does say that and and doesn't give him information about Kira and all this sort of thing. And so then I started, again, questioning myself because they're making it very ambiguous. <laughs> See how I brought that back? Ambiguity. And, and so, yeah, it, her motives are are not clear. I mean, whether they're good or bad or or just what they are in general, we don't really know. Cuz she's could be in it for the science cuz this whole thing is quite the uh, scientific breakthrough, but yeah, we don't know. So, at the at the very end of the season where Delphine and Cosima are are trying to decode the genetic sequence, you know. Cosima mm-hmm. mentions the the little piece of DNA that's different between each of the clones. Yes, the the barcode DNA, I think they call it. Exactly, exactly. And so and so Delphine says, "Oh, I know your barcode. You know, I've seen it dozens of times. It's this." Are we meant to maybe conclude that for whatever reason Delphine might have been particularly interested in Cosima for some reason, not necessarily romantic, but from sort of her scientist end of what she was, the information she was gathering about the clones, are we maybe supposed to conclude a little that she might had a particular interest in her? And that's maybe partially why she was motivated to become Kasima's monitor? I've sometimes wondered about that too. But then I also wonder if the reason she's seen it is because she knew that she was going to be assigned to her at some point. And so they, you know, gave her the dossier on Kasima or something. So could be either, I guess. Chicken or the egg, I'm not sure. I'm not sure which came first. But since... Delphine is an immunologist, and we now know that Cosima has the respiratory disease that seems to infect seems to have infected um, Katya as well. Perhaps they have stumbled maybe into perhaps Delphine is part of like the research team that's been looking at that. So maybe she has been looking specifically at Cosima because she has some of the genetic markers they've determined are potentially the causes of the respiratory disease. Entirely possible. Maybe. Maybe. I'm just, I don't know, just asking. No, I, I know. I, but I, I, I know that you're just asking, but I don't know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I don't write the show. <laughs> but I don't know. I guess I kind of feel like, personally, I think maybe that comment was intended to suggest that Delphine had had a particular interest in Casima's in case even before she met Casima. Right. There, there is sort of an undertone of that. Uh, it is sort of like oddly flirtatious, that, that exchange. We're yeah, back to the like, nerd oh, flirting. I know your number. <laughs> <laughs> I know your code. <laughs> I've seen it many times. <laughs> you know, I know your code. Right? You know. 
anyone ever says that to you, run. <laughs> run. <laughs> but I do like the adorable decoding in binary. That's pretty. That's pretty cute. <laughs> <laughs> they just look so excited. <laughs> they do. They do. I, I admit it. I kind of ship Delphine and Cosima, even though I don't trust Delphine. I think they're pretty cute together with the nerd flirting. Yes. Cofine, or as I, I, I personally prefer the, uh, the, the ship name, uh, Science Girlfriends. Science Girlfriends. They are Science Girlfriends. They are. I, that is my preferred name, though. I don't <laughs> mind Cofine, but Science Girlfriends makes me smile. <laughs> We'd love to hear your thoughts about the monitors or your thoughts about our thoughts about the monitors. You can send us that feedback in several ways. You can email us at feedback at tatianaiseveryone.com, where you can call and leave a message on our listener voice mail line at 972-514-7223. You can also leave a comment on our show notes on tatianaiseveryone.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. We are TIE Podcast. That wraps up our episode on the monitors, Donnie, Paul, and Delphine. Next week, we're going to switch things up a little bit and do an episode about the theme of motherhood in Orphan Black. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.